Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career has primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. The Success League works with leaders in companies of all sizes and stages. Today, I'm joined by Cameron Williams, the head of customer success at Healthify in New York. Healthify has an amazing mission, which I'll let Cam share with all of you. And we're going to be talking about how incorporating discovery into their new customer onboarding process was transformational for their clients. So Cam, can you give the listeners the rundown on your career path and also the mission of Healthify? Thanks, Kristen. Glad to be here. Um, I got started drinking the customer centricity Kool-Aid at Amazon. Uh, you know, upholding white glove service uh, with clients in the wine category. Most people might not oh. realize that exists. Um, I didn't know there was a wine category at Amazon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazon.com forward slash wine. <laughs> um, and I was a big part of the launch team there. Getting clients launched quickly, but also making sure that all the uh, I's are dotted and T's are crossed um, is essential there. And that's, uh, that's what really started getting me going down that road. Uh, those beginnings gave me that customer success itch, which led me to join a rapid growth uh, New York startup called Grovo. Uh, we grew that CS team over 10x in two years, uh, and it's recently won uh, the Stevie Award for Frontline Customer Success Team of the Year. Oh, nice. These days, uh, I'm leading customer success at a digital health company called Healthify. And then, so when we're talking about Healthify, uh, what what do we do there? Uh, we help vulnerable populations like people on Medicare, Medicaid, uh, get access to the care they need by bridging the glaring technology gaps in the healthcare space. Healthcare is far and away one of the most important industries in need of a technology facelift. And we're Absolutely. Doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very difficult, think, but... Yeah, it's cool what Healthify is doing. And I think, you know, are you guys just strictly focused on the market in New York or do you have hubs elsewhere in the U.S.? So um, our headquarters is in New York, uh, but in okay. terms of where our services are active, yeah. we're actually in 30 states at this point. I'm on wow. track to be in all 50 uh, by the end of 2018. That's super exciting. So um, yeah. can you can you give an example of how somebody might um, receive service through the Healthify solution? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about who's buying us, it's, it's probably a large health insurance company. Uh, if I were to throw out an example of someone like that, it would be maybe Aetna. Um, and they have plenty of people that are um, on Medicaid getting benefits from them uh, who may, uh, may not know all of the uh, services that are available to help them out. Uh, maybe they're not getting food on a regular basis, something like that. The only thing that they know to do is go to the ER to get help. 
that costs probably 20 times more than actually just going to a food pantry or something right. like that. Uh, so what do we do? Um, we put our software in the hands of social workers and case managers. So when I'm working with somebody uh, and trying to help them find care that they need, I hop into Healthify. I can find exactly what I need that's in their area and make a referral for them. So that's, the, that's how we come into the picture um, and use technology to bridge that gap that is usually uh, somebody looking at a Rolodex or a binder. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think that's so exciting because I think it makes it easier to connect people to the services that are already there for them that they might not know about, which is really neat. I think you guys have an amazing mission. Um, so when you and I met out in New York a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that really stood out to me as we were talking through your customer success program is the way that you've incorporated a lot of discovery into your implementation process. And I know that's something that you've had great success with and you're super excited about. So can you tell us why you think discovery at a high level is such an important piece of the onboarding process? Yeah, absolutely. Well, quite simply, it's a critical element to the success of your customer. Uh, seeing a return on investment starts from day one. Now that's something that I'm asked by clients all the time. How do I see ROI? How do I see ROI? And it's, it can be very difficult to point to in the SaaS space. So, you know, we want to make sure that we are finding ways to point to value at any time. And, uh, you know, in this space, it's common to trumpet, you know, we're a customer centric company, but quite often you'll see customers crammed into a template. Maybe there's only, you know, three or four ways that we onboard a client. Um, but listening can be a really key uh, factor of success or failure. So understand their use case. You know, what are they excited about? What tools have they used previously? Things like that are going to help you draw a shorter path to value. At the end of the day, it's all about change management, and we want to make sure we know where they're coming from before we help them uh, go, on, go down this path. Got it. That makes sense. So we're going to dive into details in a minute, but first, can you share a little bit more about the way your team is structured and the different functions that are a part of the CS role at Healthify? Yeah, certainly. So Healthify's customer success team is split into two roles. Uh, we have customer success managers and account managers. Now, CSMs handle what you might expect, product expertise, troubleshooting, training, uh, engagement strategy. They are the day-to-day -day contact should the client need something. Okay. Now, now AMs, on the other hand, they own everything contract-based. They're handling retention, they're handling upsells, and, and really the long-term planning. Um, now, they're working as a team uh, with our clients, owning separate specialized elements of the relationship um, for, for really good reasons. Now, we expect uh, that when talking dollars and cents, uh, a client could get a little tight-lipped, a little, a little uneasy. So what we want to do is we want to separate uh, that conversation out to have uh, your good cop in your CSM and your sometimes <laughs> bad cop in your AM. Oh, man, the AMs are the bad cops. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, that's how I came up. I'm used to it. So when a new customer decides to partner with Healthify, what does the initial contact from the customer success team look like? Is it a kickoff call or do you jump right into working with them on the system? What does that process look like for you guys? Yeah, I mean, before we have any contact with the client, uh, the CS team uh, is taking over uh, the AM and the CSM. They hold an internal meeting with the account executive to better understand why this customer chose us and, and who the key stakeholders on the client side, who they're going to be. Um, so our very first meeting with the new customer is the discovery call. So we can be aware of all key variables that will affect this implementation. 
Now, I actually have my team spend a little time, uh, very little time, sorry, uh, in the app with our users uh, in the early parts of the process uh, for some pretty good reasons. Now, this is, this is not necessarily a common thing. Very often, we're in a kickoff call, you're hopping into the app and doing all of that. Um, but by doing this a little bit differently, we've uh, seen some good long-term results when it comes to user adoption. Um, and you know, the way that I see it is we only have one chance to make a first impression, so we want to make sure that we can show the app in the proper context. Okay. So what that means is before we even hop into using the tool, we want to have our integrations done if, if they're applicable there. If there's specific workflows that we're needing to determine ahead of time, we want to have those ready. Um, if there's any key data loaded uh, that needs to be loaded, your content, your users, anything like that, we want that all taken care of, your branding, uh, so that when you hop into the tool, uh, you're seeing it the way that you would any other day, and you're not looking at a demo. Um, so that's been very critical for us. Okay. Um, so I'm imagining that you kind of set that process up ahead of time. So how have you worked with your sales organization to make sure uh, that new customers know what to expect during implementation? And do you also kind of reset expectations along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So the CS team helps uh, the sales team pre-sale in two ways. The first one is helping out uh, with potential would-be buyers who uh, maybe are hesitant about what happens once they sign on the dotted line. Um, oh, yeah. They often say, hey, what's in it for me? Or, you know, what do we actually get when we sign this contract? So yeah. we'll join calls with late stage prospects to show them the light and build credibility. Hey, here's what happens uh, in terms of discovery and all of the implementation steps uh, once you join us. Now, um, the other one is, is providing full clarity on the ins and outs of the tool, um, helping prevent from misaligned expectations. This is okay. critical for us <laughs> on the CS space, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, because uh, no matter what, uh, we're the ones at the end of the day, once we have these clients that are uh, going to be our feet held to the fire if something's missold or, or you know, anything like that. So, um, you know, what, we, what we've often seen is, is saying, ah, well, actually, you know, the, the tool doesn't do that. Here's how it would work. Um, something like that, uh, it's not going to sink the deal all by itself. It actually helps build trust so that your account executive doesn't sound like a yes man. Uh, we don't sound like we're selling golden eggs. You know, it's, it's, right. uh, we can be real with them. <laughs> That's nice that you have that kind of relationship built up with your sales team because I, I find a lot of times that um, sales organizations can be really nervous about bringing in customer success managers because they know they will say no to some stuff. And they're very worried that it, might kill their deal. And I can appreciate where they're coming from on that. And yeah. so it's nice that you've built up a relationship where they, they trust that you're going to say, no, but here's the other way that you could accomplish that thing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, so yeah. what, we, what we turn into on the CS side is almost a sales lever uh, for the account executive. When they can talk about their uh, customer success organization with pride as, hey, this is a huge offering uh, that we have that uh, is going to help you see far more value than if you were just to hop into the app by yourself. Um, it gets people excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So tell me about what an effective discovery meeting or call is like. Do you have any best practices that you'd be willing to share with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what commonly happens is people tend to over-engineer this. Okay. And uh, they say, okay, I need to have every specific action in place taken care of. But what it comes down to is two things, you know, are you, are you relying on the right questions, um, you know, which we're going to touch on in a bit, but, um, and the right attendees, uh, this is your opportunity 
to set expectations for a timeline. You know, what are the necessary tasks that need to occur during that timeline? And ownership, you know, who is going to be contributing to this? Who's going to own what tasks? Uh, so having key stakeholders in attendance is critical. And um, who, who do you think they are? Yeah, I mean, so I love having a really a core three of the primary contact. So this is the person that you're going to be having maybe your weekly or biweekly calls with. Uh, the decision maker who you know, is ideally the person who bought the product. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Probably a, the a, one who's going to sign the renewal in a year or whatever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you want to make a good impression there. Yep. Um, and a technical contact. And what I mean by that is, uh, let's say that you need to uh, set up single sign-on or they need to access your API, anything like that. You want to have them on board so uh, you can already make that connection because it's going to be inevitable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how do we just guide this conversation Really, uh, it's you know, simplicity is the way. Um, I love just having a simple deck that highlights the specific areas we're going to ask about. Keeps yeah, it on track. Keeps it legit. Yeah, I think the visual is so important. I, you know, they've done studies, and over half the population of the world is a visual learner. And if you don't give them anything visual, you're losing those folks. So hey, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's really important. So it sounds like for you guys, each implementation is very different from customer to customer. And I know that's true for a lot of SaaS companies. So how have you tackled those differences while still trying to keep your processes for this scalable? Well, that's the billion dollar question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we're continuing to see uh, that every customer is their own unique snowflake. Um, and, uh, you know, what I mean by that is there are going to be uh, some key variables to everyone. Um, but you know, adjusting to the variables doesn't mean you're fully customizing your tool or that implementation. At the end of the day, you're the software implementation expert, expert and you should be sharing best practices to guide that, that to success. Yeah. Now, uh, reviewing your customer base to understand common threads by industry, uh, use case, products purchased, things like that, that's going to help you keep your playbook count low and processes scalable. You know, what we want to do is, okay, if it's use case A, we're going to uh, handle discovery and implementation in this way, you know, instead of uh, taking all inputs and going, well, all right, let's think about what we're doing. Um, so optimize yeah. to a few industries, a few use cases, um, and then, of course, your products purchased. Okay. So. so do you have any examples of how you guys are doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we have varying training decks depending on which of our three products was purchased. You know, it takes minimal work to adjust it depending on what you're talking about uh, product-wise, and it really increases the likelihood of connecting with our users. So what that is not doing is having us uh, do more work every single client. We built those three templates ahead of time, and then we can move. Got it. Okay. So how are you measuring the success of your implementations, both in the short term and then in terms of long-term customer value? Yeah, I mean, so that's something that uh, on the client side is going to vary every single time. But okay. internally, you know, we will move forward with uh, best practices around it, you know, a good balance of quantitative and qualitative information. So you know, app usage, obviously, is going to be critical for yeah. <laughs> uh, finding areas of improvement. Uh, they want to know if people are engaging with it and people are actually, uh, you know, getting uh, some of the value out of it. The numbers are going to point to it, but it's not going to tell the whole story. Um, so on the qualitative side, we love leveraging uh, net promoter score and user okay. interviews. Okay. How do you guys implement net promoter score for that? 
just out of curiosity, because people seem to be doing it in different ways. So what's your method? For sure. Yeah. So we, uh, we use two different types, uh, two different situations for net promoter score. Um, we actually hit our uh, uh, users that were just trained with an, uh, uh, an NPS score, or sorry, an NPS survey, um, asking about the overall effectiveness of the training they received. Okay. We know that you know, it's going to improve over time. You know, it's, it's never a finished product. Um, so we want to see where we can improve and what maybe uh, was not as effective as it could have been. Um, otherwise, we hit our users um, every 120 days with an email survey, um, asking the standard question and having follow-ups for additional feedback there. Got it. Okay, cool. I was, I just wanted to do a little sideline on that because I think there's so many different ways people are doing it, and it's a question that I get asked a lot. And so I think the more we can share with the audience how how different kinds of companies are implementing that, the better. Yeah, I mean, and and leveraging what you're getting in return from those surveys is huge, as well as user interviews. Um, so you know, in the beginning of our implementation process, you know, when we're having that. Uh, that discovery call. We're talking about the importance of user interviews and that we're going to want to be holding them not just with their users, but with their admins. You know, we want to understand what's working, what's not working, you know, what could be improved here. Um, and you know, it's a little cheesy to say, but you know, what I do tell our, our customers is our V1 is not our V always. Basically, we're going to put out our uh, best assumption of what the product should be doing for you workflow-wise and all of that. But we're probably going to improve and iterate upon it based on feedback from you and your users. Got it. Okay. And anything else you're doing to kind of measure success over time? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have all that information, but how do we make sure that people are there to hear it? Um, so we've implemented um, executive business reviews. Many people may have quarterly business reviews. We space ours out a little bit more, generally, to do them three times a year. Uh, to touch on that, you know, what is and isn't working, how can we improve, uh, what are our recommendations? Um, as again, you know, we are approaching the software implementation and the long-term success, uh, success of it in a consultative manner. So, um, you know, one of the things that we like to highlight, especially um, in an early EBR, is discussing the speed and accuracy of a deployment uh, so we can make sure that it's front and center there. Hey, you're still getting value in that point too. Yeah. Okay, great. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back to the rest of the interview in a minute. I want to let you know about two training programs offered by the Success League. First, we have a customer success leadership program that is designed to help directors and VPs of customer success be more effective in their planning, hiring, management, and communication. I teach these classes, and as a former VP of customer success, I'm sharing the skills and models I learned over years of doing the job. Second, we have a CSM training program for customer success managers who need training on customer success basics or to brush up on specific skills. These classes focus on how CSMs can help customers achieve the outcomes they are looking for through effective planning and communication. Classes are one-hour instructor-led sessions that include discussion and tools that enhance learning. For more information on both programs, you can visit the training page on our website, thesuccessleague.io. I also want to mention a terrific new resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes a ton of fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. 
CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build their customer success function within their organization. Links for the Success League's training sessions and the ebook can be found in the description of this episode. And now, back to our interview. So let's say I'm a CSM or a CS leader and I want to start building discovery into my implementation program. How should I get started on that? Yeah. Um, so you know, want to focus on the critical areas of your product that could vary by customer. Now, the things that come to mind are use case. You know, are there different ways that somebody might leverage this tool to meet their business needs? Um, user roster and team structure. Uh, it gets more complicated the more that you break out different teams because um, they may be using the tool in different ways. You want to know about it ahead of time. You know, then there's customizations like like white labeling, you know, different branding on the tool, or maybe they need to load in their own legacy content. Those kind of things, if they are going to be uh, key variables in the launch, we want to know about them early. And then, you know, how are they looking to leverage reporting? Uh, really, what that comes down to is how are they evaluating the product? We want to know that because that's going to change the way we talk about it. You know, uh, the, the answers to these questions, they're going to shed light on the client's expectations for the tool, and it's going to help you get ahead of any potential misunderstandings. Got it. Cool. So I'm going to wrap it up with the last question, and this is something that I ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Yeah, I mean, so when we think about, and Chris and you love talking about this, there, there's high touch, there's low touch, and there's tech touch. Um, I think there's importance for all of these things. Um, but you know what I'm commonly seeing is, you know, with all this great CS technology out there, uh, and with people pushing to low-end tech touch, they might be doing it too early uh, in the client lifecycle. Um, now, uh, using the one-to-many campaigns are they're a key part of scaling your services organization. But doing so before you've built a relationship with a customer can hurt you in a big way um, because you know. You may have plenty of customers that don't realize your email was automated, but there will be some who catch on. Uh, and you want to make sure that they still feel a connection uh, to your product and to your team. Yeah. I think the other aspect of that, too, in, in terms of not doing it too early, is that um, you want to make sure that you know what your messaging should be. And the only way to really know when you should get the, you know, a particular message to a particular customer in, you know, terms of their life cycle is to have actually experienced those conversations live. And so I think you can really, you know, start with a high touch um, model that almost always makes sense. Um, And then, you know, learn what customers are looking for from you at each touch point in their life cycle. And then that's going to inform the, the low touch or tech touch models um, and enable you to make sure you're getting the customers the right messaging at the right time. Absolutely. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, when it comes down to it, of course, customer feedback is going to help uh, inform the way that you build your product potentially, but there's also the way that you train on it, the way that you implement it and everything like that. Being able to hear back from your customers and maintain that open dialogue is huge for long-term improvement. Absolutely. Cam, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Our listeners love practical tips and advice, and you provided us with some great ideas on adding discovery to the implementation process. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Um, And for anybody who would like to discuss anything customer success in greater detail, like learn more about this, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. 
To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. Mm-hmm.